0: Hello everybody, this
1: is episode number 176 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is May 15th, 2022. I'm Robert Ring. With me is...
0: Oh, you want me to speak.
1: Yeah, I've never done that before. I thought I'd... I I was going to see how you handled it. (laughs) Not well. Not well. I was anticipating, I was waiting (laughs) for the mic drop,
0: so... Good afternoon, happy Sunday. How's it
1: going? You never had to say your own name before in front of an audience, Jay? I don't...
0: I think so? I don't know. Probably. That's probably true. It's probably happened before.
1: Um, what you been up to?
0: Uh, just settling into the house. Um, started to work through some projects. Working a lot, and uh, yeah, that's kind of it. It's just been kind of busy the last couple weeks. It's been nice. So, that sounds weird, but
1: sorry. Dropbox. Just, Dropbox just made a sound. I think my recording stuff might have picked it up. Uh, you and I almost forgot to record today.
0: Yes. <laughs> I was, I was like checking it was so funny because I was checking my my discord and I'm like huh, where's Robert and then I like wait another I was I was like oh wow so you remembered and, like... yeah yeah I was like checking like periodically on my phone like waiting for you to message me I was gonna message you but I was like oh like usually you just let, let me know when you're ready and then I'm like okay
1: Jay we missed something uh the world video game Hall of Fame for 2022 it's
0: already time again
1: they've done it what yeah we missed the whole thing. So I have the list of nominees and inductees. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you all ten without telling you what the inductees were, and then we'll talk about them for a second, and then I'll tell what the inductees were. Sure. So they nominate. I think they might have nominated actually more than 10, I think it might have been twelve or something like that. I'm not going to count them up on the while we on the air while we're recording. Um, but they nominate ten or twelve and. Five of them are inducted. So this year for the uh, Strong Museum's World Video Game Hall of Fame, the nominees were Candy Crush, Resident Evil, Dance Dance Revolution, Sid uh, Sid Meier's Civilization, NBA Jam. Did I say that already? I think I said NBA Jam already. I don't think you did. Okay. I could be wrong. Did I I say Assassin's Creed? Nope. Okay, Assassin's Creed. Uh, one
0: of us is losing our mind here, and I don't think it's me, so <laughs> I'm just letting you know ahead of time.
1: Okay. Assassin's Creed. Ocarina of Time. Ooh. Miss Pac-Man. Damn. Words with Friends. What? <laughs> uh, God I hate
0: mobile games. Sorry. Tangent.
1: Rogue. Um Parappa the Rapper. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I say dance dance revolution? I think I did say did. that one. You did, yeah. Microsoft. Did you paste
0: that list in chat after you're done.
1: Yes, Microsoft Minesweeper.
0: So, so we've. We, I think we've probably talked about this before, but I wonder what the like primary qualifications they have. That was the rest of the list, right?
1: Yes, I. I so, so here's the thing. I had them. I have them listed on my computer, on my notes here. In a certain order, with like, here are the ones that didn't make it, and here are the ones that did. So I was trying to I was, trying to, I was oh. trying to jumble them up as I said them. So that's why I kept <laughs> being unsure about what I said. Here's the list, though. I'll send it to you. Oh, I see. I thought you were just
0: having a stroke. Like, you are getting sick. So how many got? How many were inducted? Five. Five. And, and okay, so, so the,
1: the they right. actually do have pretty clear, um, guidelines for like what they can like what they base their decisions off of. I, I can't. I don't know where it is right now, so I'm not going to spend five minutes pulling it up. But it has to do with um, a big part of it is being accessible to like a worldwide audience. Oh god! But also being like a good game.
0: I don't like that first part. I know that's like really like. I of, like, like it because I mean I
1: get. I understand what you're saying, but I also like the idea that's like, well. I can see both sides of it. I'll just say that,
0: it's, as always, Robert. As always,
1: that is how I am. I will. I will admit. I'm, I'm, I'm very. I often. I'm like, if I hear two sides to an, to an argument, I'm like, you know, they, they both got points. No, nah, <laughs> like, only
0: one side's right. You got. You got to go in deep, bro. You got to give it. You got to get them gone. Okay. No, the reason I have a problem with that is because I feel like that gives priority to mobile games, and you know, I'm not going to. Everybody, everybody in this podcast knows. So I feel about mobile games. So yeah,
1: okay.
0: I don't need to go there for the emptying time. So, so what, there's five total. Oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say let's let's go through. What would your what would, what five would you pick here?
0: I'm gonna say Candy Crush. I'm going through the list. I might go through it twice. You would pick Ms. Candy Pac-Man. Crush. Oh, absolutely. Candy Crush is like such a stupidly pop. I think it's like one of the most popular. Okay, that's there.
1: okay. That's understandable. Yeah, yeah.
0: And talk about reach. I mean, it's like everybody I know who doesn't play video games plays Candy Crush. Yeah, right, without question. So Candy Crush. I'm gonna guess Miss Pac-Man, DDR. Minesweeper. I don't want to say words with friends because that's such a new thing, too. Like, that's, yeah, that, was,
1: that, was, that, cool, that one does kind of stand out.
0: I'm going to say number five, Ocarina of Time. So I'm going to, say, I'm going to type that, too. So I said Candy Crush, uh, Miss Pac-Man, uh, DDR, OT, and Minesweeper.
1: That's Candy Crush, Miss Pac-Man, DDR. You picked... Oh, okay. DDR, Ocarina of Time, and Minesweeper. I think I would go NBA Jam, DDR, because DDR was, like, such a phenomenon.
0: Oh, yeah, without question. Completely agree with you on that.
1: Civilization. Ocarina of Time. And my last two would be between Resident Evil and Rogue. I would probably... Rogue Rogue
0: has... Oh, huh? I, see, I didn't see it.
1: There. I, yeah. I didn't see Rogue on there. Okay. Rogue, is, it's, rogue is so weird to me. It's very, very influential in that we have, you know, obviously like with the past few years we've had, or, you know, past 10 years really, I guess we've had such an emergence of rogue likes. Oh yeah. But at the same time, the game itself, Rogue, was really not that good. It, it was like, here is a great idea. To build on
0: mm-hmm.
1: But that's that's The the game in and of itself is not great So that's, even though it's been Almost like kind of phenomenally Influential, the game itself Wasn't very good, so that's why I would probably Pick Resident Evil over that
0: Resident Evil is definitely up there for me as well But
1: Okay, so here's The final list, the ones that made it Were Miss Pac-Man okay. DDR
0: On two for two
1: Ocarina of Time Three for three. Civilization. Wow. Did I only say forges then? Yeah. Did they only? <laughs> I'm on, sorry. Try. Let me look this up because I'm certain.
0: Um, you're having a stroke. I'm certain. Yeah,
1: you're... that's what I'm pretty sure of. Uh. Come on. All right, well, it's going to take me a minute to find this. I'll pull it, I'll pull it up like while you're talking or something because I can't find it. Um And so we don't have to sit here. Well, actually, wait, hold on, hold on. I think I found a Wikipedia article that might have it. 2022. Oh. Here we go. Here we go. Um civilization, DDR, Mispack. Yeah, they only picked four.
0: Okay. So it's 3 for 4. Or 3 of 4.
1: I guess so. Okay. Um I, like, I
0: mean civilizations doesn't surprise me too much, to be honest.
1: No, 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 no. Definitely not. That was I mean, that was one of my picks. I The game is, is very has a very long standing and strong following. Um yeah, I don't really have a problem with any of these, I don't think. I think that's uh, pretty pretty solid. Like Miss Pac-Man's probably the weakest, but same yeah, actually,
0: with you, I was gonna say the exact same thing. I'm so happy to hear you say that.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, it doesn't bother me.
0: It's one of those, you know, retro games that when people when you talk to people who, again, not to like call like say this over and over and over, people don't play games anymore. You know, like you're like, oh, I love Miss Pac-Man, <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do know, I do know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, that is kind of what it is. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they. Sometimes they, oh wait, look here, hold on, they have not broken down here. Miss Pac-Man, in 1980, this is the, this is their write-up, I guess, as to why they picked Miss Pac-Man. In 1980, Pac-Man captivated popular culture around the world with its mesmerizing but accessible gameplay. Uh, blah, 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 millions of players fell in love, and yet most... <laughs> I
0: love it. Like, I'm going to read the justification. Blah, 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 <laughs> blah, 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 blah.
1: And yet most video game critics would agree that *Miss Pac-Man, which came out in 1982, is not only the better game, but the more culturally significant one as well. In terms of playability, *Miss Pac-Man improved on its predecessor in several ways. There were now four different multicolored mazes instead of just one. The prize fruit, rather than just resting below the ghost slayer, bounced around the mazes, adding a new chase element, as players had to decide whether to pursue the moving reward, gobble dots, or dodge the ghosts. The ghosts were smarter, too, with a dash of randomness to their patterns that kept players from memorizing their movement sequences. And they actually had that, different
0: personalities, didn't they, in Ms. Pac-Man? Aren't some of them like aggressive and more passive, or no?
1: I don't know. I've okay. never
0: seen that before, where, Like some of them like, go after you, and other ones just kind of float and stuff
1: i um, wrong on that. I'm really not sure. There's like four more paragraphs, but that's blah the, blah, that's blah, blah, the... <laughs> blah blah. I'm kidding. But that's the gist of it. Okay. Uh, so I mean, I guess actually, that they, that's that's pretty solid reasoning. That's that's pretty pretty solid argument yeah. for it. Yeah, I can agree. With I that. think. Um, okay, that's all I've got for news. But actually, one more thing is this reminded me that it's probably about time. For us to do our top 10 of 25 years ago.
0: Oh, is said already timing. My gosh, dude, like, I feel like we do these and then like the next episode we do them again. <laughs> I, it's actually crazy to me.
1: So we'll do that next episode. If that works for you. Sure. Let me, we'll um, where, where should I write this down so that we can remember it? I'm just going to send oh, DM me. Okay. Uh, top my 10. This her. is of 1997. Oops. Top 10 of 1997 next episode. So if any listeners want to email in there, you know, they don't, you don't have to do a top 10 or whatever, but just some of your favorite games from 97, feel free to do so mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Um, and let's talk about the games we've been playing. You want to go first or you want me to?
0: I can go first. How many games do you have this week? I've got two. Okay, may I, do you want to do you want to go? And then I only have one, so do you want to go? And then I'll go. And then you
1: can. Sure, you know what? Go actually, I've got three. One of them is going to take about ten seconds to talk about.
0: What'd you play, Minesweeper?
1: I played basketball on Atari. It is a one-on-one basketball game, and it is pretty much exactly what you expect from an Atari one-on-one basketball game you there's like very rudimentary goals on each side of the screen you move your character around and you press a button to shoot when the other guy has the ball you follow him around and press a button to block or to try to block
0: i was the graphics and or music that was
1: art. the graphics no music did any atari game have music
0: I have no idea to be honest I I only had an Atari when I was very young.
1: I've never really thought about that until you just asked. I'm pretty sure they all just had sound effects. I think the I most I think you're right. But... I think I'm pretty sure the most music any of them had would be like, you know, at the end of a level a little a little ditty. But that's but that's, that's about it. Um <laughs> It was graphics are Atari graphics and there was no music. So I,
0: I wasn't being serious. I was just wrong.
1: Okay. Cause like, you know, we always talk about like graphics. And music and <laughs> okay. Games and stuff, so. I didn't catch on. Um, it was very boring. I played it for about five minutes. May, maybe. Is it,
0: is it multiplayer? or Is it just single player? This is a real question. That's a good question. I
1: think it is multiplayer. I played against okay. the computer. I'm, I would be very surprised if it, if it did not have a multiplayer mode. Uh, so that was that. What what year did that come out? Basketball for Atari Twenty Six Hundred. I'm gonna. That's probably a solid guess. Uh, no, seventy eight.
0: Gee, what?
1: <laughs> I had games that back is then.
0: Really surprised. I was gonna. Thank you. I was thinking <laughs>
1: the seventies. Like what? Here's a um. <laughs> the the basketball goals are literally just one line, like one line going up and down. And then like yep. a little line going across where the rim would be, and no type of net or anything like that. Jesus. Here's here's the uh, here. I, just, I feel like
0: I could draw that with my keyboard. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's like the best way of describing it. Probably there's a you don't even. Oh have my to gosh, watch it. I was
0: drawing that exact same thing. That is so fun. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's crazy. Uh,
1: so that's twenty eight
0: points. Oh, I guess yeah. Okay,
1: <laughs> so that's it. Um, the other, So the next game I played was Imperialism 2. This is a PC game that came out in 1999. It's a turn-based strategy game. Probably the closest thing to it is Civ, but it, it really does not feel like a Civ game. It, it kind of, well, in some ways it does. It feels kind of like a cross between Civ and maybe if you've played any of the Anno games, maybe one of those, or maybe even more like... It feels kind of like a board game.
0: Interesting. Um, this came out in ninety nine, you said. Ninety
1: nine, yeah. It is pretty good. It so it's you know typical type of it, it's very it is similar to Civ in the sense of you start off in a in a randomized world, and you are uh, you know there's a bunch of other nations that start off at the same time as you, and you are trying to build up your civilization. And uh, you know, eventually fight people. You're trying to find resources around you throughout the land. Uh and do all the types of things that you would do in a Civ game. In this game, however, there's a lot more focus on on production and trading uh and and uh managing your development and less focus on there's there's almost no uh like as far as strategizing where you want your units to be there's basically none of that because this is going to sound weird and it is weird you can move any unit to any spot on the map on any turn like as far no as for it. as long as as long as you have like explored that part of part of the map there's no doubt, there's no punishment for it. the only the, the only reason it makes sense is that every turn is 2 years after the previous turn so i guess the idea is you know in 2 years he could have gone anywhere so there's no posi- there's no sense of positioning or having to wait you know four turns for a guy to travel from this spot to that spot it's just wherever you want him to go just put him here or there and and another reason this makes sense is that as far as the military conflicts go, it doesn't matter at all where your uh. at least as far as what I played, there was never a situation where it mattered what spot my units were on. All that mattered was what city they were guarding. So if you have army units, you can obviously use them to attack people's cities and stuff, sure. but you can also say, all right, I want these guys to guard this city. And then when you're attacking somebody, you don't just attack like one spot of their land. You're like, I'm going to invade this city. So unit positioning doesn't matter because that's not really what the game is. It's like, oh, if you want to attack this city, then do they have units guarding this city? Yes or no? Okay, if they do, then you know, then you, you got to see who's stronger. If not, then you pretty much just take it over. But there's not a sense there, there. There's no tactical aspect of like, oh, this guy's on this tile. We're going to go around and you know across the side or anything it's just if there's an unguarded city you try to attack it um but military the military aspect is also not like a big part of it as i said the the biggest part is developing the land and then managing your production and your trade that that's that's 90% of the game so you get units that that do things like search for like there's a prospector as one of your primary units, and you can send him to mountains and stuff, and he will try to find gold in mountains. It's it's not like resources. yeah resources, you know. So in Civ, when you find a mountain, you automatically know what's there, hmm. but in this one, you find a mountain, and then you have to send your prospector to to search all of the mountain tiles to see if there's anything on any of them um once you find one obviously you have to then send a, like a constructor or builder or whatever the unit's called there to build a mine on it and then you can you can build roads even though they don't function in the way you would you know normally expect in a game like this where it makes units move faster on them because again units move wherever you want them to instantly but what roads do is it kind of abstracts it away to say okay so there's a road here so you get more so that means there's more there's a more efficient pathway between say this mine and your city so therefore you're going to get more resources from that mine per turn okay. that's what roads do um you can't you also uh can connect roads to ports so if they're um well i'm sorry Yes, you can. So, if you have a mine that's kind of far away from your from your main city, like from your capital, or wherever your goods are going to, you can uh, instead of building a road all the way there, you can build it just to the shore and then build a port, and then that will, like, then you have a ship that's that's bringing that from the port, and so there's a there's a ship management aspect of it too, where you're building ships and then determining how many ships you want to keep free for uh, like production reasons, how many you want to keep free to be available to trade with other nations. And then obviously there are ships that you can use for warfare as well. Um, every turn. So you have, you know, like your workers, every turn you on, on every individual turn turn you you choose what to produce from your resources based on how many workers you have so what that means is you might have four mines but you're not necessarily getting something from those every turn unless a worker is doing something on those mines does that make sense (laughs)
0: you're not harvesting it like yeah
1: that makes sense um no 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 sorry 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 sorry. that was incorrect what i just said (laughs) let me back up you get something from the mines every turn regardless oh okay but okay But that doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense what (laughs) forget everything i just said what i meant to say is that what workers do is they turn your resources into other goods okay that's where they come into play so you can say, all right, I want – so I have two workers. That means I can turn these two uh, pieces of uh, – I can turn these – this, you know, five logs into ten pieces of lumber or something like that. Sure. Um, and They you, process the materials. Yes, exactly. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> you understand the game better than I do. They process the <laughs> materials. And that's all based on how many workers you have, and then obviously you have to have farms to keep up the workers. So it's it's again the the, the same type of stuff that you would expect from from a game like this. Um, and again, trading is a big part of it. You're you're going to be trading very frequently to get things that you don't have that you need, and you have to make sure that you have enough like ships available to do that trading, and not all of your ships are being used just for bringing resources that you that you are producing back to your city. You, there are trade ag- agreements that you can set up where, like, you can say, I'm going to build a consulate of my nation uh, in your within your borders, if that's okay. And then what that does is every time you trade with somebody, they get, like, a better opinion of you. And the AI will, if they have a better opinion of you, then they are more likely to give you first dibs on something that they're trying to sell. So it sounds
0: very Civ-esque, you know what I mean? Like it's—it it sounds like it has it a lot is. of early elements of Civ. It is, oh, yes. This,
1: yeah. It is like fifty percent Civ, okay, and then fifty percent again, more focused on internal production and managing what kind of things you're going to produce every turn from the resources that you've harvested. Okay. Um, so. I guess the the reason it feels more like a board game is that there isn't, you know, it's kind of like, Oh, I'm going to put this piece here, this turn, and then it can just go anywhere you want. And again, there's, there's, there's no tactical aspect of it. It's all just, what do I want to focus my resources? Not in not, by resources. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have used that term in this sense. What do I want to focus the tools that I have at my disposal? What do I want them to do this turn to to give me the best outcome at the end of this turn to, you know, continue being prosperous as I go forward. And again, managing your workers is a big part of it, much bigger than Civ or anything like that. Managing trade is much is much more important than Civ and uh military stuff is much is much less important than the Civ series. And then one other aspect of it that's pretty important is is finding a new is finding the new world like you know basically America, sure. and then pretty much just killing any native natives that are there, and then taking over that land. Um How historically accurate. Yeah, I mean it is unfortunately, but that's they don't have any. It's pretty much just like the tutorials even is even like yeah when you find the new when you find like a new continent, make sure you just like kill all of the. Uh, tribes that are there so that they don't bother you while you're exploiting the land. I couldn't really tell if that was kind of tongue-in-cheek or not. Yeah, like
0: self-aware.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it might have been, but I wasn't really 100% sure. But that's another big part of it is, because even though the maps are randomized, it kind of basically, it does do the thing where it starts you, like all of the primary civilizations, you're all on one or a couple continents, and then there is always one continent that is just um like for you to find and exploit. And then but that new continent also has certain resources. It will always have resources that you cannot get on your own original continent. So that's a vital part of the game is finding the new one and exploiting it. But it's it's pretty easy to do. It was always easy to find and it's very easy to it to get a new uh like city started over there whereas in the civ game it takes a lot of resources you know to build up a new settler and time yeah and time it takes forever and then it takes a long time to get that city going that process is much faster in this game so it's it's really a lot less of an ordeal in this one
0: i i wish i enjoyed civ as much as most people i i like certain aspects of civ but every time i play a game i get bored after like an hour like it just really yeah, I just I I, I don't know. I, I mean, I love I love. I mean, obviously, I love RTS. I love you know macro elements stuff like that. But like Civ, just for me, I just don't really enjoy the macro aspects of it. I don't know. It just feels tedious to me. It doesn't feel.
1: That's how, that's know. that's how Civ four feels to me. Civ five does is is a lot better in my opinion. And Civ six, I really like. Like, I'm not somebody who grew up playing Civ um, as much as I kind of wished I would have. But going back to them now, this is this probably sounds like a very like I, for longtime Civ players, they probably scoff at people that are like, yeah, they get better each one. But for me, like, they actually do get better in each one. Um, where I I loved Civ six, and I'm sure a lot of the I don't know this I don't know this I shouldn't say I'm sure I don't know this for sure. But I imagine a lot of the Civ purists probably scoff at people who like Civ 6 the best. I don't know. I just have a feeling that's how it is. You're I, probably right. I could, a little
0: bit of a pinky in the air type.
1: Maybe, but I could I'm maybe. yeah, I could be could be right, could be wrong. I don't know. But anyway, Imperialism 2, it was good. Um but if I want to play a game like this, I'm just going to go play Civ 6 instead. <laughs> But it if, is a it is a
0: real challenge. Sorry, I, I've actually kind of felt that way recently with with certain games. Like I'm like, you know, I really want to play this game, and I'm like, but I know that this newer game has done it a lot better. And right.
1: Like, yeah. yeah, I don't. I really don't want to take away from it because it is a. It really. I did really like sure. playing it. It was definitely a solid game, um, especially for 1999. But against like all the other things there are to play now that are that are similar, there are. A lot. There are you know plenty of other options that I would play before this if I was just like, oh, I want to play a good game like this. So worth trying out if you're looking for something along these lines and you haven't played this one yet. But it it doesn't even though it's really good. There are there are better options. Oh. All right, my other one, my last one for today. We've talked about this one quite a lot recently. I needed a palate cleanser after playing Final Fantasy VIII.
0: Oh oh, did you play nine?
1: No, I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't play and no, I Tactics. I needed, I needed more. No, no I needed more of a palette cleanser. I played paper Mario.
0: Oh, interesting. Not
1: that paper Mario is better, but for me, it was more of a very simple, like i not, not simple in a bad way, but very like yeah. I knew there was a solid, like by pet like by palette cleanser. I mean, like I didn't, it doesn't take a lot to get into the game.
0: No, it, it is a simple game. I, mean, I, I don't think that's an insult by any means. They do it right. well. It's concise. Like you understand the game. Like what the it, it, there, there's certain parameters that that Paper Mario games have, and you know generally they're going to stay within that. I, I think that's a that's a okay way to describe it. To be honest, yeah, I knew
1: it was going to be prob. Well, I I I thought it was probably going to be good, and I did, and I do like it. I'm not. I don't mean that to say that I didn't like it. I did like the game, um, but I also knew it was going to be not something that I that was going to take like a lot of investment to get into. It wasn't going to be really hard to figure out. I just needed something. I was like exhausted. My the RPG part of my brain was exhausted from Final Fantasy VIII, so I was like, "This one, I have a feeling, it's just going to be charming, fun to play, easy to digest mentally." And so that's what I'm and doing. And humorous, yeah, and humorous. And but it lived up to all those. those it games. lived up to all those things. Uh, this so obviously this came out. Uh, well, this is a Nintendo sixty four game. It came out in two thousand. Um, and it is the as, as Jay. You've played this recently, and everybody, yeah. yeah go, everybody's probably heard you talk about it. Um, it is the follow up to Super Mario RPG, which that was a Super Nintendo game. And as a lot of you probably remember, I. Re- I did not like Super Mario RPG very much. I'm really not a fan. It just kind of boring to me. But even though I do like the writing a whole lot, I think the story is good and the writing is really funny. I get very, very bored by the combat in this game. For me, Paper Mario almost kind of flip-flops those two things. I thought the writing was not quite as good, but the gameplay was a lot better. The writing is still good, and it's still funny, and it's still charming, but just not Super Mario RPG good. There are parts in Super Mario RPG that I thought were genuinely hilarious, and this and part, good
0: like this, the, I thought like the story in Super Mario RPG is a little bit more um, of a traditional JRPG than the Super Mario series. Yeah, that's probably a season. good point too. Like it's all it's,
1: it is overall just kind of good um, story wise.
0: Sorry, I do want to say as well. I, I guess and this may be a really dumb thing to say. I never really thought of paper, the Paper Mario series like as a um, Sequel to Super Mario RPG. I always thought of those like two different things. I don't know. I just I, I never really thought of those as being in the one and the same.
1: Well, but they but it picks right up with the stars with the seven stars.
0: I guess that's true. I guess that's really true. Yeah, I guess I just never put that together.
1: Um. So in Super Mario RPG, there's the seven stars. We actually kind of talked about this a little bit last yeah, time because did- I was like, What are you serious? Wait, seven stars? <laughs> I was like, Did you play? Are you sure you didn't just play Super Mario RPG? Uh, yeah, I was just
0: thinking that was a common thing within a lot of their games, to be honest with you, because they, they do that sometimes with certain elements. Like, it'll just be like a repeat. Well, thing. you know, that is
1: true because, I mean, yes, they do. You're right. They do share a lot of common elements. It is a Mario series, but the, f- the first one, the Super Mario RPG the um what's the main bad guy's name smithy. black smithy i almost called him blacksmith but uh, smithy he, uh like crashes through the star heaven and the seven his stars sword does
0: or whatever his yeah. sword
1: i wait isn't i thought smithy was the sword no smithy's not the sword smithy No, the smithy's sword?
0: the blacksmith i don't think does the sword have a name?
1: the sword is a character of his own right i thought he was like one of the bosses that you uh, eventually you might be right, you look that up um, xor is
0: the store's name what is his
1: name xor xor okay i didn't know
0: this uh, it it's funny i played this game not too long ago and i don't remember his name being xor so
1: i don't remember it either but i'm i'm really my video game memory is bad in general
0: you're talking to the king so
1: <laughs> yeah that's true uh so in that one you got to find all the seven stars so people's wishes can come true once again and that's that's the bulk—that's you know the bulk of the plot. In this one, Bowser captures the seven stars, or he kind of captures them. And <laughs> once, once again, you are finding the seven stars, but this time it's Bowser. Bowser. This time Bowser is the bad guy, and uh, but you're doing pretty much the exact same thing. Um, again, the the writing is charming and funny, but. It, it just doesn't live up to a super mario rpg and also the plot overall there there isn't much that develops throughout the game it's just all right there are seven stars they're they're all being held captive by various like minions of bowsers you got to go save them now go do all that and then like nothing develops plot wise throughout the game you know what i'm saying like there are no Simple twists is in... the right description there are uh, no That's so kind of getting that yeah, there's no twists and turns or anything like that. It's just like, all right, this is what I got to do. Then you just spend the whole game doing that, which is fine. But Super Mario RPG did a really good job of having a plot that continually develops while you play. Um, but, I, but again, I didn't really care for Super Mario RPG because I get very bored by the combat in that game. This game has great combat. And it also does a better job of letting you build your character um, the way you want Mario to be. It also, well, kind of just shotgunning right now, but the art I really like better as well. I re- Even though they don't really play into the paper aspect of it yeah, a lot. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah, it is weird. Like you, you would think that they're gonna like really do more with it, but it's just like, oh yeah. no, it's just everybody just flat in two D, and that's and the move. next
0: one they go ham on it.
1: I believe it because I've played later. I haven't played the next one, but I've played Super Mario pa- or Mario and Luigi Paper Jam, and that one they really, they really do take the paper aspect of it. It was like there's parts where. You have to turn sideways to walk through cracks that are like very, very thin or you turn in like Mario turns into a paper airplane or
0: that's in thousand year door as well.
1: OK, so, yeah they, yeah, they do that. And yeah, I definitely believe that they pick it up in thousand year door. But in this one, it's just the art style. and And even then, if you were just to look at a screenshot, it just kind of looks like a 2D art style on a 3D background. Like that's 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 cartoony. It doesn't you don't really it doesn't look like oh look they're very paperish it's just it's just like oh okay Mario kind of look is is 2D looking as opposed to the more 3D look that they gave him in uh Super Mario RPG
0: how do, you but, feel about, how do you feel the graphics holding up for today?
1: But I do think it looks good. I think the graphics hold up yeah. hold up well.
0: I think so, too. It's crazy. Like, every time I play the game, i like, this still looks good. Like, it's very legible. Like, that's what I really appreciate about it.
1: Yeah, everything's clean colorful. Uh, the art is really good. They just don't use the paper aspect of it, really, to do anything, you know. Major. Yeah. Major. maybe some minor
0: stuff. I love the construction of the scenes, by the way, when you transition and, like, the, mm. the paper objects, like, go that's vertical true. and stuff. Yeah. I love that.
1: I do like that a lot. Like, the doors kind of, like, fold outwards.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and there's this what like, there's the main town where it's, like, Toad Town or whatever it is. Yeah, I forget what it is. Yeah. Um, and there's that one shop where you can buy badges. And it's so cute, like, it's a, it's a little kid and his dad that oh, own yeah. it. And they every time those. you walk up, like, the kid pulls out, like, this... Like, there's, like, a kind of collapsible wall that has that where the badges hang from. And every time you walk up, it's folded up. And as you're walking up, it shows him, like, grabbing it and pulling it and, like, unfolding the whole thing for you real quick so you can see everything. It's, I don't know, something about that was, like, really cute. Um, so, the badge system I really like because that's what lets you... This was not in Super Mario RPG. Um, but what this does is it really lets you customize your build in a, pre- a pretty good variety of ways, I think. Whereas in Super Mario RPG, it's just you level up and you get stronger, and you can pick like what is it? There are a couple stats that you can pick whether they get a couple extra points. Yes, yeah, uh,
0: flower points, HP. And no, no, no. no I'm points. talking
1: about uh, oh. in Mario RPG.
0: Oh, oh, yeah. I don't even remember to be honest with you. It's something I like think you're right on that.
1: It's, it might be similar actually, but it's but it doesn't make as much of a difference. It's like in Super Mario RPG, every time you level up, you get... Okay, if I'm remembering correctly, you get the traditional, like, okay, this and that went up. And then you can pick something to get, like, a couple extra points, I think.
0: I don't remember, to be honest with you. Uh, like, I, it's not been very long since I played, but I'm not going to... I don't remember. So okay, I don't remember I'll
1: have to today. look it up to maybe verify. But it's something like that. But in this one, you actually don't really have stats. You just have what the things you were saying. You have HP... You have flower points and you have badge points. HP is obviously self-explanatory. Uh, flower points are your mana, and badge points you use to equip badges. And badges you get throughout the game. You can buy them at the badge shop. You can find them, like in chests hidden throughout the world. And right uh, star shards. Yes, you can. Yeah, star shards are a thing that you also can find all throughout the game. And when you and you can trade those into this one particular character for uh, who also sells badges, and uh, badges are how you customize your build. Badges uh, just give you different abilities for the most part. It's, they might give you different actions that you can use in combat. They might give you extra, um, just like straight up, like boost your attack power or your defensive power. Some of them do things like there are the star shards. There are some places where they're just hidden, like almost like basically out in the open and you have to butt slam like a certain part of the ground in an area and it'll pop up out of there. And it's, you would, it would take a thousand years if you were just trying to butt slam every single square foot of every area on your own. But there's one badge that whenever you enter an area that has one of those star shards hidden, it'll like, do this little dinging sound and show a, like an icon of a star shard over your head, so you know there's one there. So you just run around for a few minutes, butt butt slamming the ground until you find it.
0: Butt slamming. I've never heard somebody call it butt slam. You haven't heard
1: that's the. You fun. haven't heard somebody call it butt slam.
0: I've heard ground ground pound.
1: Ground pound. Is that it? Is that what people yeah. say usually?
0: I, that's what I call it. I don't know if that's but <laughs> butt slamming's great. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, he jumps from the air and slams his butt into the ground.
1: So. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've always called it. Uh, and so there's so like that's a badge. Um, what are, are there? Any other ones that come... Sound
0: effect badge, which changes the sound. When yeah, yeah, yeah. Some abilities. of them are just...
1: And those are free to equip. Like, they don't yeah. use badge points. Thankfully. It's just, yes, thankfully, because it's just kind of like a fun little thing to add to the game. Um, stuff like that. But but for the most part, it's it raises attack or defense or gives you specific new abilities that you can use in battle. Those are kind of like the primary ones. And you... Just like Mario RPG, you have your hammer and you have the jump ability, And, you know, certain those are, are better in certain situations. Um, you also, so, so first off the badge system alone, I think is a huge improvement on super Mario RPG where your build is just pretty much static. You just get stronger as you play in this one, you're unlocking new things to play in different ways. You, Oh, some of them are like, you get more. So when you win a battle, Obviously, you get some XP from it, and then it goes back to the main. It goes back to like the world screen, and then like coins pop out, and you can run around and get those. Some badges will give you more coins. Some badges will have flowers pop up, which will raise your your flower points, which are, again are your mana. Some of them will cause you to get more hearts pop up uh, on that, so you can heal a little bit after every battle. And then there are some where it's like during battle, every once in a while, you'll just randomly get a heart point. Or you'll randomly uh, every once in a while get a um uh, a did I say heart point just then or flower point? Well, regardless, there heart point? there are badges for both. There are some that will like slowly trickle in more fl- more flower points or or uh, or HP during battle. There are some that will wait till the end of battle to give you a little extra. But I think you get a little bit extra, a little bit more extra that way. So, and there are some that are like okay, if your HP gets low, then you do a lot more damage so plenty of things like that to customize how your build is which is again a a big improvement for me over super mario rpg and then so what i did was i used one that gives you more flower points at the end of a battle and then i would typically use like very heavily use the, your like more powerful abilities, the ones that do use up flower points in battle. So I could attack a lot harder and then not have to worry about my flower points getting low because I would re I would regain most of what I used at the end of the battle. So I I, eventually they would get depleted. Yes, but it took a lot longer and usually I would be able to find a place to like refresh and, and get those back. Or if not, then I could just, you know, use one of my items to get those back but i didn't have to worry about as much about managing those and i could still do a bunch of damage that was kind of like the the biggest part of my build as i was playing this game um but when you level up there's actually no stats it's just you pick whether you want more hp or more flower points or more badge points as you were saying earlier and that's that's all that leveling up does you just pick one of those and it goes up which is Kind of nice um, because this is just a game that's kind of meant to be going back to like the palette cleansing aspect of it. It's kind of meant to be like not really number crunchy and all that kind of stuff. Just like kind of easy to understand. I thought that was really cool. That's just like, okay, which one of these do you want to go up? All right, let's boost that three or however many points and, and move on. But But at the same time, it's got enough depth to where it's not boring to play because in battle... And I think the badge point. I think the badge system also kind of helps this as well too. I found that I had to think a lot more about what I was gonna do to attack enemies. Am I gonna use an attack that does a little, if I, you know, that does a little bit of damage to everybody, or am I gonna jump on this turtle, which will incapacitate him for a round, and then attack somebody else, or do I want to just, you know, attack him and kill him, and then worry about the other guys there are. I feel like i had to think more about the battles which which made it a lot more engaging to me than than super mario rpg is where you do have that to some extent but to me it wasn't nearly as much as it was in this game. Do you have any thoughts on that on these on this versus mario rpg as far as the battles go?
0: Yeah, i will say for me the battles um i had the same Challenges you had with Super Mario RPG, with uh, Paper Mario to some extent, because the battles do really? get very repetitive. So wh- one thing uh, b- I should mention is the battle, the game uh, has like a a limit on how much you can level uh, based on where you're at in the game. So like when you're first there, like you need 100 star points to level and you get like, let's say you kill Mob and you get two. And then you level the next time you might get one. And then if you level again, you get zero. So you, you there's actually a cap. Oh uh, yeah, like there is the that. Software. So, so, because of that, what ends up happening is, in a lot of cases, you'll just be kind of running through battles. And the battles will be generally pretty repetitive in the composition and the amount of enemies you're fighting. So, you're just kind of going through the motions of doing it. I did have that. That, after a while, it does get pretty old, especially if you're in a dungeon for a while. And when I say dungeon, I mean, like, you know, one of the castles or one of the chapter closing pieces or whatever. You'll generally fight, like, the same mobs over and over and over. And it does get a little bit boring in that regard. But you are right, you can then use your flower points to in a lot of cases, I use flower points a lot of times to AoE to clean up like a big fight. So
1: Okay, so you kinda took a different approach as far as the flower points go, where I was using them very liberally. You kinda yeah, you I, saved yours a little I, bit more?
0: I saved on my star shards and bought the um boost attack power. I think it's like thirty star shards, and you buy like you, you do more damage with like hammer or jump, I think. And then like I basically made it so my stats were really high in Mario and I would just just goomba stomp everything like Mars did so much damage uh and then i used i forget which by the way you didn't even talk with the companions there but I, I yeah i use a couple companions i use the goomba a lot i really like the goomba That's and then good. i used i think i used the ghost a lot too about i think her name is
1: uh i think her name is just bow is it bow uh, right. yes. uh yes yes it's bow i can't remember i haven't pulled up
0: did you did you kill the dojo master by the way
1: Oh my gosh! Did I? I don't remember. That actually, guy's so difficult. I probably didn't. I remember get it, like fighting the people before him, beating them, and then I fought him once. I was like, "Oh wow, he's hard." I'll come back later. I don't remember if I ever went back and beat him. Actually,
0: you can fight him like five. He has like five or six different levels to him. The other, the other wow. badge I used a lot was the one it allows you to use two items in combat because I, I had a shit ton of items, and so I would just like chain items in certain fights.
1: I'm gonna say I probably did not beat him then because i don't remember anything about their being it's really tough
0: because you you fight you fight his like companion you fight his other companion then you fight him like three or four times back to back to back and he gets stronger and stronger towards the end he like hits you for like i think 12 or something ouch
1: yeah that's a lot for this one because your hp like at the end of the game is what like 50 maybe
0: Yeah, i was gonna say like me i don't don't remember where mine was but i i I don't remember i stacked a lot of hp at the end because i wanted to kill the dojo master
1: one thing I didn't like was that it will cap you on, like badge points. For instance, there was one point where I tried leveled up and I was like, "No, you're at your max for that." Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was like, well, like that's like the whole point is just to be able to customize how you want Mario to be. So oh, I thought I that was. Did that. I thought that was kind of arbitrary. Yeah, it was kind of was like, like it doesn't do, it doesn't add anything to the game. It just makes it less customizable. That was kinda weird. Yeah, I kinda wonder what they were doing. Yeah, I don't know either. But but as you mentioned, there are companions that you pick up throughout the game. Um, and they also you can pick one to like have kind of basically active at any point and they will so and they'll follow you around and they're also your other party member in battles. Uh and you you said that they don't do much when we talked about it before, but they do like half the damage.
0: Not for me. Mario was my character Mario was for just sure. a
1: beast
0: 100%. Yeah, 100%. Okay. They didn't do a whole
1: lot for me. For me, like, a lot of times, Mario, they would do, well, maybe not half, but 30, like, they were important enough to where I had to have them. Um, I think the one, so there's, uh I guess, I don't know, we won't spoil all of them, but yes, there's a Goomba. The ones that I used the most, I will say, were Cooper, who is just a Koopa Troopa. Um, and I think Watt was one that I used a lot. He's he's just a spark. Oh, yeah, and I did use Bow a lot also. Those were kind of my three. Yeah, labels. but Bow's
0: ability is ridiculous. Like any boss fight, you're like, okay, no damage. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, no yeah, damage. yeah,
1: her, yeah. And they I and they that. each didn't mention that they each have a special like their own special abilities, and hers or one of hers, um, is yeah, you just don't take any damage for a round. So, like you were saying, if you're fighting a boss, if he's about to attack, you just use her special ability. And it does use flower points, but then you just don't take any damage, which is really huge. Um, oh, another badge that was that I used the whole game once I got it was the one that doesn't use a turn to switch your companion. like in Oh,
0: battle. yeah, that's a cool one.
1: That helps a lot because certain companions... Are better based on the type of attack they do. They're better against uh, certain enemies, but normally what happens is it's Mario's turn, then the companions turn, then the bad guys. Then you know, like all the bad guys go. If you want to change companions, then that uses up the companions' turn, so you miss an entire attack for that round. But with this badge, you can change them at will. You can change them multiple times for battle. It doesn't matter. Just and it doesn't use up their turn. They you can trade You can trade them out and then attack with them. So you can keep switching out for whatever's best for the situation. And you don't have to kind of anticipate it beforehand. Uh, that one was, was really helpful to me, but they also do things when you're not in battle. Like they help you out in other ways. And sometimes you have to use them. Like what's an example. Um, sushi. Yeah, is. Okay. Sushi is one. He's a fish that you get at one point. Actually, his part's kind of annoying <laughs> Cause so what he does is he's a fish and, and what oh, his ability yeah. is outside of battle is you can use him to take you through water areas of the world. Uh, so there's this one part where you're kind of like in a jungle, but there's a, but there's like a, there are several screens there. S- s- screen, there's several screens where there's a bunch of water and you have to like navigate these little rivers and stuff. And it's kind of, it kind of gets confusing where you are on each of those. Um it's not really a big deal, but it's just kind of a it's like all right wh- wh- where am I supposed to be going now like which screen am I supposed to be going up a screen right a screen? like it just got a little confusing navigation wise but like that's an example of one that you have to use um, what the spark will light up dark rooms so like some of the some of these you have to use to to progress and some of them just do things that help you get items that you might not have been able to grab otherwise and things like that.
0: Yeah, I, I will say one of the... the I, I didn't like how many companions there were. I thought there were too many, uh, in my opinion, especially towards the end of the game. It was like, I feel like you got like Watt, Sushi, and then there was an... I think there's one more. You just got like there back is. to back one. to back. And it was just like... It was a little much for me to, towards the end of it. I wish that they... Because some of them, I feel like, overlapped too. Like, there was Parakary yeah, and yeah. the like yep. for me, I I really didn't understand why they were two different characters. I it wondered just, the
1: exact same thing. So paracarry. Okay is a paratroopa and cooper is a koopa troopa which is fine but cooper's special ability out on the map is you can like kick him over to a to an item that's too far for you to reach and he'll like it turns into a shell form you kick him over there he goes over there and grabs it and comes back paracarry just picks up mario and takes him like a kind of a long distance so they both do almost the exact same thing and you don't even get that, like, you get them pretty close to each other also. There's only yeah one companion in between getting them. So, like, I got Cooper, then I got somebody else, and I got Parakary. I was like, so why would I ever use Cooper now? Even though Cooper, for me, was better in battle. Actually,
0: I actually like Cooper as well, to be honest with you. I loved Parakary as a kid, but I really liked Cooper. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. I had the exact same question. Like, what? Like, <laughs> these two guys are pretty much the same.
0: But, spark for me was just like such a boring character too. Like I, I don't know. I, I his his yeah. like amplifying your attack ability was kind of cool, but I was just like, why is this a character? Like this is so random.
1: You know that I, I do feel the same way too. I used him a lot in battle. Does his? I could be wrong. Does his regular attack? I feel like it ignores armor or something like that.
0: It has. I think it does something like it has some sort of interaction. I I don't remember. I I didn't play with the spark too much. I tried out like the the amplifying attack portion of it and i liked it and then that was good. That, i was
1: kind of like eh. yeah but i was the same way i was like this guy is just a spark like <laughs> he's not like a cool little turtle yeah. or a mushroom he's just or goomba like, i i feel even like the goomba was cool yeah even the goomba is cool um i felt like they were trying to he's the only one that as far as i can remember is like a new bad or like not bad guy but like a new character like a new mario universe yeah, character huh
0: job spark yeah yeah i think that's probably where his right.
1: name's Watt. oh Watt. sorry um but i as far as i can remember he was not in any other mario games previous to this and i think they were trying to like come up with somebody new and that's why but he was just kind of boring like he's not very his design is kind of boring he doesn't really do anything cool he again he was for me he was good in battle but that was about it i agree so i i agree like He's kind of I boring. loved
0: Bao. I loved Bao's personality. I love her introduction. I love her like I, I thought she was. Yes, really
1: cool she was her. great.
0: She I used her the most, not just because of her like usability, but I, I just really liked her.
1: She was yeah, I agree. She I liked she was one of my favorites. Um so yeah, overall, great game. Yeah. Um Do you get I wonder if most people like Super Mario RPG or this better? Obviously, I like this better, but Super Mario RPG has so many fans. Is it pretty? E- is it pretty even? Would you say?
0: I would assume that more people like Paper Mario. I think it's more accessible to um, non-RPG fans, like general non- non-RPG fans, than Super Mario RPG. If I had to guess,
1: okay, maybe so. Um, I think it's more
0: approachable. I really do. I think, Super, I think Paper Mario is much more like, I feel like uh, also Paper Mario is more accessible to people who are younger, like children. Cause I played Paper Mario as a kid and I definitely like, I played, I played both of them as a kid, but I felt more, I feel like I'd get more into Paper Mario than Super Mario RPG.
1: Okay. So, so yeah, anyway, I really liked it a lot. Um, and I guess that's it. That's all. I guess that's what I got. For, that's what I got for today awesome all right um what you been playing oh, ahead,
0: oh so for this episode of the podcast uh it is my time where i do my annual replay of a couple of key games oh, hell uh, yeah. surprisingly not final fantasy 10 not yet i'm not, not oh quite there
1: man yet. that's okay i was no. like oh here we go
0: <laughs> no not yet soon hopefully we'll see okay. i actually was i was watching somebody speedrun and i was like ooh. i started getting that itch and i was like ooh. It's almost time. It's, it's almost been long enough to where I forgot how the entire game goes through after my 26th playthrough. So,
1: Dude, if you wait a little bit later in the year, I'll probably be playing it around
0: That'd be cool. August or I'd September be or something. I love that game so much. It's so much fun. Yeah, uh, you got to play the international version, though, when you do it.
1: What's Maybe. I don't that? know. We'll
0: talk about that. We'll talk okay. about that. It's more difficult, but I I, th- I think it's a more enjoyable game. But uh, okay. uh, So... For this episode of the podcast, I have been playing Majora's Mask, actually, for N64. I uh, Again, I was watching somebody speedrun it, and I was like, oh, I really want to play it. And I remember they mm. did a re-release of it, and I was like, oh, I wonder if the re-release is any good. So I was like, eh, maybe I will give it a shot. So uh, the re-release, I think, was for, was it 3DS? Was the one they did a few years ago? Um, I think it was like four or five prob- years
1: ago? Probably. I would, so I, I would imagine oh, God, so. Sir. I would imagine so. Well,
0: my, my next thought was, like, well, if they did it for the 3DS or whatever the, the re-release was, then they probably did it for Switch. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll get it. I love my Switch. Like, my Switch is the system I have played more. Switch is the system I have spent the most time on since PlayStation 2, probably. Wow. Probably. Yeah. I, I think that's a very... Yeah, without question. Like I have, I, I haven't. I had like a three sixty for a while, and I played some games on it. and I enjoyed it, and I had a switch or a Wii for a while, and kind of enjoyed that. Besides uh, mobile, or like handheld. Sorry. Yeah. I played a lot of like PSP and uh, the Game Boys throughout the years. You know what?
1: That's so. probably true for me too. Now that you say that.
0: Oh, congratulations, we're old. We did it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna buy. It, I'm gonna play it on the Switch, and I was like, cool. I'll just, you know, I'd be down to like, you know, pay twenty dollars, whatever, for the re-release. So, what I learned is to play it on Switch, you have to use like their online uh, play. It's like their online uh, emulator platform, whatever whatever they call it. And you have to subscribe to their online service, Plus. So, like, I have like a Nintendo subscription for Switch because uh, Lisa plays a lot of games, like a lot of games with like DLC and stuff. And right. she plays a lot of games that, that require it. And so I was like, okay, cool. Like, we already have it. And they're like, no, you have to do like the Plus, uh-huh. the expansion. It's freaking $50 a year. I'm like, in what fucking universe am I going to spend $50 a year on top of what I'm already paying you guys on top of the system? Like, I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to go emulate it then. Congratulations, you got me. Like, so I I have a media PC set up on my TV out there. So we have media PCs everywhere here. So it's like, I was just like, okay, cool. Like, I'll just emulate it like I do with everything else. You got me good. So uh, I ended up emulating it, which took me all of three minutes to do and was absolutely free. So it's really great um so i started a run of majora's mask and i, I know i've talked about this game a few times in the podcast but i know we also do have some new people so i'm going to do a little bit of like a, li- a light review of it just because you know i think we have some new people and it's been it's got to be at least six months since the last time i talked about it <laughs> so uh, majora's Mask yeah. obviously is this is the second installment of the the legend of Zelda series on the n64 um it came out in 90 i'm gonna guess 98 let's see if mask Oh, it came out two thousand. Really? Hmm. Okay. Well, it came I out believe that that was
1: when uh, Paper Mario came out. Also, so it make, kind of makes sense.
0: That's just surprising to me. Because I guess I guess where I was living at the time, and just thinking of like timing and stuff, it just seems a little bit late for that. But. That's
1: a pretty solid <laughs> year for Nintendo stuff. If both of these games came out that year, now we're like lucky if we get a Mario and a Zelda game within ten years of each other.
0: It's true. I mean, I feel like I feel like around the early two thousands was a, an incredible game a time for gaming in general. To be honest with you, for for consoles, yeah. at least, there was just so much stuff that came out. Like two thousand to two thousand two is like kind of like that prime spot a little bit. So yeah. Um, but yeah, so Majora's Mask, uh, you know, a lot of people, anybody who's played Ocarina of Time and uh, and obviously played Majora's Mask, there's usually a common uh, opinion that people have that they like Ocarina of Time more. And there, there's definitely debatable points, so I'm not going to go into the full debate of it, obviously, because we, we've we definitely talked about that before. Right, um, I remember I, Blake
1: saying that he really did not like Majora's Mask.
0: A lot of people don't. In all seriousness, a lot of people really like Ocarina of Time, and not a lot, a lot of people were not a big fan of Majora's Mask for a, for a couple reasons in particular, but... Um, I actually played Majora's Mask first. I, I played—I should say—I played Ocarina a little bit, but I didn't own it. Um, I owned Majora's Mask, and I ended up spending a lot of time playing it. And you know, I, I wonder if that has something to do with the two. For a lot of people, if they had played either one in a specific order, if it changes their opinion. But okay. uh, from my perspective, I invested a lot more time into Majora's Mask. So uh, the the primary mechanic of Majora's Mask that a lot of people like or dislike it's kind of like that breaking point is the 72 hours which everybody's seen the memes of it i'm sure it's it's a great meme but essentially when the game starts you have 72 hours to quote unquote beat the game and at the end of the 72 hours if you don't then you have the option to rewind time back to the uh, 72 hours or let the world burn and it just gets destroyed it just does the same thing it's the the same end result just two different paths to get there so the world Uh, comes
1: to an end is that it like you're trying to say there and if you don't then everything then a world, then a world does indeed come to an end. Yep. And if you, yeah, the moon
0: crashes on, onto the planet and you can
1: rewind time. it. How far, if that happens,
0: 72 hours, the game is, you is have to go back to the beginning days. of the game. Yes, but, but there are, there are certain things that are permanent that you do. Okay. So you don't lose all your progress. So basically okay. the idea of the game is like you make a progress each time you reset. And the, the point of the game is there's the moon is going to crash into the planet because of Majora's Mask. And uh, the, the whole goal of the game is to... Um, you have to clear four major dungeons. When you clear a dungeon, it summons this uh, creature that then holds up the meteor... Or the moon, sorry. It lifts the moon, preventing it from crashing onto the planet. And so after you have all four of them, they can hold it up and then spoilers you go inside and you fight Majora to, to complete the game. Now, one of the key things is when you clear a dungeon and then reset the time, that dungeon is no longer cleared. And for a lot of people, that was a big point of like frustration contention. There is one thing though, when you clear a dungeon and then you come back to it in a uh, the next series of days, you can just teleport to the final boss and beat it. You don't have to re-clear the entire dungeon. So okay. when you basically, in, in like a series of three days, you'll clear a dungeon, you'll reset. You'll go to the next dungeon, you'll clear it, you'll reset. Until you do that four times, and then when you're ready to fight Majora, you can go into the dungeon, teleport to the boss, kill it, rinse and repeat the four times, and then you can ultimately go to the end. Now, huh. one of the the frustrating part for people is the game. You know, like based on how quickly you do things, you may be in a really shitty spot when the time runs out, right? Because at the end of seventy two hours, if you are in a really bad spot and you have, like, let's say, have a bunch of rupees with you, you can deposit the rupees in the bank, and those retain after the time rewind. But if you have rupees in your pocket, those go away. So if there are certain things that you have hmm. that it can be very frustrating, or if you're in the middle of a dungeon and you're just about to beat it, but you can't quite figure it out and you only have a few minutes left, it can be really frustrating because you're like, fuck, now I have to rewind time and just do this all over again, right? And for that, that, there are some mechanics around it. You can slow down time, um, which is a really important mechanic to play through the game. Um, You can even speed up time if you want to, if you want to go through a series really quickly. So that part of it, I understand. I think that can be very, it's even happened to me. There have been times when I've been in the middle of a dungeon and I'm like, I know I'm not going to have enough time to clear. And I'll just teleport out, deposit all my stuff, rewind time, and then go back to the dungeon. And I can totally understand that. that, So
1: is that for you? Does that feel frustrating when that happens? Or is it just kind of like one of the, it's just like, Oh, that's just a mechanic of the game.
0: It's just a mechanic of the game. Yeah. That's kind of how I look at it. I mean, there are definitely times that I was really frustrated by it, but generally speaking, I am like, so part of my job, my actual job is like, uh, processes. I am a I'm a manager of people, but I manage processes. So in my mind when I'm playing this game, this this might be part of the reason why I like it so much, is I'm thinking I have seventy two hours. What do I want to accomplish in the seventy two hours? Right. And it's like, well I want to clear a dungeon. Okay, great. I cleared the first dungeon. Do I go to the second dungeon? Probably not. I probably don't have enough time to get there. And you know, like a Zelda game, the dungeons aren't just there, right? Usually you have to work through the main story. There's certain interactions, mechanics, certain side quests you might have to do in order to get to the point where you can actually pursue the first dungeon, right? Okay. So what I'm generally is like, in a run, I might do like, okay, my first goal is I'm going to go clear the dungeon. So I go clear the dungeon. Maybe I'm like halfway through the second day. So I'm like halfway through my three-day time period. It's like, I have a day and a half. What do I I need to do? Well, I need to farm money so I can get the adult wallet. Great. I'll go do that. Well, I need to go collect these hearts by killing these, you know, heart pieces by doing these random side quests. Great. I'll do that. Uh, And then I need to like get set up so that I can do the second dungeon. Great. I'll do that. So I try to like, give myself time and even some buffer on both sides just to make sure that I have enough time to complete those tasks. And if I get done early, I can just go farm or you can just reset the time again and move on to the next part of what you can do. There's no punishment for resetting other than you lose your bombs, um your D- 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 deku seeds or deku seeds, uh your D- deku sticks and like some other things like that. But everything else if like you keep your masks, you keep your weapons, you keep all that stuff. And by the way, the masks there's like I think there's like 35. Let me see how
1: many masks in Bakeros. Masks. Yeah. What did the 24? Wait, wait. Hold on. First off, question. 72 hours. Is this real time? 70. No. Okay.
0: Um. A a uh, an hour. Let me think about this. An hour is about 45 seconds. Oh wow. Okay. So if we do some quick math, and that's that's at normal time. So 72 times 45 divided by 60. So you have roughly about an hour, an hour of gameplay per, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to Google that. How long, how many minutes is 72 hours in HR's George's mask?
1: So you're not supposed to be able to beat the game without it having to reset at least several times.
0: Wow. I was exactly on actually. Holy shit. It's 54 minutes. I was exactly right. Um, Correct. Yes. In your first, I mean, I, I yeah, you are not supposed to, like, okay. if you, if you knew the game and you practiced a lot and you weren't like gimmicking the game at all, you could probably do two dungeons per three days. You could probably beat the game in about three cycles, if I had to guess.
1: So even if you really know what you're doing, it's not expected that you'll be able to beat it without having to reset a it. No. Times. Okay. Okay
0: no and, and and the masks so let's talk about the masks the masks are obviously one of the primary mechanics of the game um there are 24 masks i thought there were more but there's 24 total masks um and each of them and, and what's cool is there's there's generally stories that are tied to each masks so like where they come from and there's usually a spirit or a soul that's somehow tied to it like somebody somebody either died or somebody was bound or was uh somebody created the mask like they basically like use themselves to create the mask Okay. There's four primary masks, which are the Deku one, the Goron mask, the Zora mask, and what is the fourth one? I'm trying to remember. Oh, maybe there's only three primary ones. Sorry, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm like partway through the first dungeon now, so I'm trying to remember... There are three primary ones. So There's the Deku mask, the Goron, and the Zora mask. I thought there was a fourth one. And those those three allow you to... Ter- you actually embody those uh, creatures or people, I guess you should okay. say. So, like, when you start the game, you are a Deku. That's how the game starts. And then, ultimately, you find a way to uh, ter- take off or basically turn yourself back into a human. And in turn, you take that curse that was put on you and you put it into a mask. So that allows you to then put the mask on to turn back into a Deku for certain mechanics or whatever you need to do for the game. Goron, same thing. Zora, same thing. So as you progress through the game, you will be rotating these masks depending on where you are and, and realistically what, what you're trying to do.
1: And so they give you, like, abilities and stuff?
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay. They have very unique abilities. And then there's a series of other... Oh, okay, that's why. So there are 20... Yeah, there's 24. Okay. And then the rest of the masks have a variety of things. So, like, there's, like, the bunny ears. You remember the bunny ears from uh, Super Smash Brothers That make you fly around and move really quickly? No. Okay. Well anyway, so there's like the bunny hood. The bunny hood just makes you move faster. Okay. Um there's one, there is the um I'm trying to think of some of the other ones uh, I'm trying to remember all the details. There's the bomb mask. I just got that not too long ago. The bomb masks allows you, it's basically you become a bomb. You can just walk up to something and explode. You deal some damage to yourself, but it allows you to like if you had a bombs basically and you're like, oh shit, I have to I need a bomb for this. I can use it, and then I I I go through the area, or whatever it is. Um, okay. there is one that allows you to, to uh, lead animals. There's, there's one, like you can basically like put it on and then, uh, your action for it is like, you basically start marching and animals will follow you. And there's certain oh, pieces cool. of that become important for that. Um, there's one, the, the final mask is what you get. If you have all the other masks, which turns you into a God and he basically it allows you to just destroy the final boss. Um, there's one that allows you to speak to the, the, uh, stone of truth. I think is what they're called. They're like those stones with that eye icon with the three triangles on them that mask allows you to communicate with them, which they give you like really good hints throughout the game. There's one that allows you to, to, to speak to frogs. There's one that allows you to sniff out mushrooms, which can be used for potions. Uh, tr- oh, there's one that's a fairy mask that allows that uh, causes fairies to run to you. So like if you're in a dungeon, you're trying to collect all the fairies in there for uh, some of the side quests, mm-hmm. then you can use that. So that's kind of the idea. There's there's some of them are really useful. Some of them are just kind of cool. Some of them have very specific use cases for specific uh, side quests. And, that is one of the things that I love about this game, and this is actually another complaint that people have about Major's Mask, is the side quests aren't always as obvious and linear as they were in Ocarina of Time. And I say that um, as a person who's not an expert of Ocarina of Time. I have played through it a few times. Um, I don't remember all the ins and outs of Ocarina of Time, but I remember the game being pretty linear, uh, generally hmm. speaking. Okay. There are some side quests you can do, but you generally are going in one direction major's mask obviously you could do the same thing you could just go dungeon, dungeon 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 go to the end and finish it but there's a lot of like side things that and, and one of the things that is really critical is based on where you are and depending on what time of day or day certain mechanics happen certain things happen and they're, they consistently happen right so like for instance uh if you go to there's a road that goes to um the ranch shoot i can't think of the name of the ranch but it's where you find a pony, the horse when you go there on okay. day one, there's a giant boulder there, and there's this really bulky guy who's there with a the pickaxe, and he's just chipping away at it. Well, if you go there during day two, he's made progress. He's all he's like halfway through or something. And then in day three, you go there, he's cleared it, right? So he's done. He cleared the whole path, and um, you can then go to the ranch. But you can't do anything at the ranch at day three, so you have to find a way to get to the ranch on an earlier day, right? So that's huh. kind of one of those side quests that's there. There's okay. also this really cool – what probably my favorite mask – um, I forget what it's called. It's called. I think it's called a couple's mask. But there is this couple in the city, the main city that you're in, which by the way, the city is my favorite part about the whole game. There's a lot of characters that um, interact with one another and they have kind of depressing stories, if you will, to some extent. Like they're very real. They feel like really uh, generally authentic stories. Obviously this is 2000, so we're not talking about, you know, the best story written of all time, but it, it, the, I enjoy it quite a bit. There's one specific mask that you can get where there's a couple that is getting married in the town, and you start to find out that there's some things wrong in the relationship, or so you so you think, and then you dig much deeper into it, and you find out some really sad things happened, and it starts to get it starts to kind of spiral out, huh. and you are helping them to basically fix the issue that they're having so that they can ultimately you know get be together. I guess wow, the best way to
1: sounds it. like some heavy stuff.
0: To an extent, I'm, I'm probably elaborate. Or probably adding some fluff to it, but that's kind of the general general sentiment of it. Um, trying to think what else and, and that, that that's that's a couple examples so like the, the side story stuff for me is pretty cool and as you feel that out and again you know so one of the things people get frustrated by is like well if I'm not at this specific spot at this specific day like how am I supposed to know that's a thing and it's like well there are some things that tell you, like the stone—the stone of truth—generally will tell you and communicate to you and let you know where certain things are. They'll be like, "Huh, I wonder if you go here, like if something will happen." Like they—they they give. Okay. There's some light hints about where you should be and what you should do. Some of the other times, not so much. You know, it's Zelda. There's still some some gray area there, but I've always really appreciated that. It's the same combat, I think, as Ocarina of Time. I don't think there's any significant differences, so you have that. Uh, trying to think, what else?
1: I mean, it sounds pretty solid to me. I, I, I've I, i been Blade. less interested in Zelda games lately. Um,
0: wow. Even after Breath of the Wild?
1: I mean, Breath of the Wild was great, but oh. overall, I don't know. I just haven't been feeling the Zelda style of game in a while, <laughs> but it, I, I Breath feel of Wild like comes out. Is it later this year? Oh, I feel I like they it might delayed. have delayed it. I could be wrong. Say,
0: uh, released. Wow, Bob Ruckwell came out in 2017. Wow.
1: Yeah. And then uh, 2023. We... Yeah, next year. Okay. So I feel like if I was looking for a Zelda game, I would give this one a shot. You made You made it sound it. solid.
0: I really enjoy it, and and you know obviously this is there's there's definitely some nostalgia there. You know rose tinted gla- goggles for sure. I I've spent a lot of time playing this growing up, and I, I will share with the with this group very openly. I sucked at this game the first, when I played this as a kid. I sucked. I was like 11, and I could not figure out anything. I started over so many times because I just could not figure out where to go, and I got lost, and then I, I eventually made some progress, and then I would lose my progress, and then you have to reset the time. And as a kid, it was like. I never felt like I was doing the right thing, and I struggled immensely. And then playing it as an adult, still struggled, but it was it made a lot more sense because I had a lot more experience playing video games, and I was more prone to reading dialogue. When I was a kid, I, I generally ate my way through most dialogue, um, except for for specific games that had you know had my interest, like Final Fantasy VII. But
1: oh, okay, you weren't a dialogue reader. Not much of a story um, guy.
0: Depending- if the game got me early I would read it but if I wasn't really interested early on then no. And Majora's Mask funny enough the the story opens really well. Like it it explains like kind of how it relates to Ocarina of Time and then how Link is where he is and then all the shitty stuff that. And what I love too is like they 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 challenge your your perspective so like you know in a game when some when somebody somebody does something bad to the main character you're instantly (laughs) like all right i don't like that person like that person's bad i want to harm them like i want them gone and then very quickly the person without going too far into this is the very beginning of the game so link is um he gets he's riding along on his horse or walking his horse i think and um somebody the skull kid knocks him unconscious and skull kid wearing uh major's mask he has these two fairies with him and they're kind of talking shit about link and then they are messing around with this stuff and then Link tries to grab them and ends up chasing them into a forest and then um, the Skull Kid turns you into a Deku, right? And so now you have to find your way out and one of the fairies like uh, spends too much time talking shit and like going like, like doing a raspberry at Link and right. then ends up getting separated from her brother and Skull Kid as he leaves. What's doing and so, a raspberry mean? Like that noise?
1: Okay. Never heard that before. Yeah.
0: I think that's what it's called um but anyways so they get separated and then she blames link for getting separated and you're like dude you just like were talking shit to me Mm -hmm. and you stole my shit and you stole my horse like who who is this like like i want you to die like i really want you to just fly off and uh and then as it kind of goes along a bit more you learn more about who she is and like what a relationship the skull kid was and what happened to him that caused him to be the way he is and it's you know it's one of those things where you're like god like It's like, I hated this person. I was so focused on that. And now I'm like, I don't hate them. I hate somebody else more now. But it's just, it really does that very quickly early on, which as a kid got me good. Cause you know, as a kid, you're very, your thinking is very linear in that way. You're like, okay, this is the bad guy. I hate them. Like, this is my, my main goal. And then when they are like, yeah, but are you sure about that? you're like, no, like, who do I hate now? And they're like, well, you don't know yet. Like, you don't hate anybody. And it's like, all right, well, that's just cruel.
1: (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Right.
0: Okay. So, but yeah, um, I would love for you to play this game at some point. Maybe as a game of the quarter, we can do that in the future. Okay. But I would, I would love to hear your perspective on it.
1: All right. We got a solid email section. We have four. We got, we got a, I glanced through these. looks like we got a solid response overall from the uh, game of the quarter discussions. Good. So let's see what people had to say. I think we can both get in on this one. I love the subject line of an email from Jeffrey. FF eight sucks. Squall is a bitch. <laughs> well,
0: yeah. I mean, that's a, uh, I mean, I, I feel like he, we could have just said that
1: that could have been talking
0: about it for 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, that's for the... <laughs> what if that was the whole entire episode? <laughs>
0: right. That's all we said.
1: All right. Jeffrey says, yo dudes, I refrain from writing in last episode about final fantasy eight because I didn't replay it along with you and I didn't want to pile. After listening to you talk about it, I felt compelled to chime in with my experience. When the game first came out, a classmate of mine bought it and beat it in a few weeks. He then Jesus. offered he then offered to sell it to me at a discount. So I had my parents call me out sick from school so I could play it all day the first day I had it. Oh ah, gosh. what a waste. It's like the equivalent it- Oh my god. <laughs> That's the equivalent now of of calling in sick um, for a game that has always online f- functionality, and then oh, it's yeah. not working that day.
0: Definitely had that happen to me before. Yep, sitting in queue.
1: Yeah, for WoW, I'm sure is that which oh many times. Yeah,
0: many many times.
1: So I had my uh, so his has, has parents call him out so we could play. I absolutely burned through the game. I mostly liked it but I immediately caught on to the draw-slash-junction exploit and just boosted my strength and HP so high that nothing was a challenge. I didn't like the characters, and I agree that the, quote, love story was teenage nonsense. However, I thought the overall story was intriguing. I kept wanting to know more about how the Laguna storyline tied in and how all of this convoluted nonsense would come together in a way that made sense. Uh, the, you know, that's actually one thing that we didn't mention was the little side story where every once in a while, and it, this is explained later, every once in a while you are suddenly play like your characters will all pass out. And you're suddenly playing a different storyline of different characters, but it's like they're different people inhabited by the same people. Is that a good way of describing it? Yeah,
0: honestly, I don't remember this.
1: You, didn't, you probably <laughs> play. So you didn't play a whole lot because you were in the middle of moving. You probably didn't get to this part on your most recent playthrough because I think it's like five hours maybe until you, it happens for the first time. There are several parts in the story where you all, your whole party, like falls asleep. It's like a cutscene. You all fall asleep or oh, pass out, and then you're I playing. Okay, Sorry. yeah, and then you're playing as other people you're playing as completely different people but it's like they're in but it's like their minds are the minds of the same characters that you've been playing as but you're thrown into a different story and you're doing totally different stuff you're these soldiers and you're like all right we got to do this and that and it's explained later why that happens it's part of the story of course and that's what jeffrey is talking about right here that that part was intriguing to him but i'm going to come back to jeffrey's email in a second i wanted to ask you about that one thing that I hate in not just RPGs, but like a lot of kinds of video games, I guess maybe not all of them, maybe it is mostly an RPG thing, is when it does that, and not necessarily in that way where it's like, oh, what's going on, but where it cuts away from the main characters and makes you play like a side story of different characters for a while, I feel like I'm just wasting time and not progressing with my main part. Like, I think it... Yeah. I don't know if it's a, like, I don't think it's a bad thing. I feel like it's just a, me personally. It's filler. Okay.
0: I, I, I agree with you. I, I like if, if it ties back into the story and, and let's see, adds to it in a positive way, I am open to it. What I don't like is when it feels like it's just something to take away from the main story, just to like, get you, you know, get you away from the story for a little bit or, or be some sort of padding and filter or filler. Excuse me. That to me is just like, I feel like it's just lazy storytelling.
1: Uh, maybe so i for for me personally i think even if it's done well i just feel like oh, i just want to get back to the main guys and keep going so anyway. i think
0: that's okay from my perspective if it's done well i think that's okay sure but that's my biggest complaint so i think a lot of games and this isn't even just unique to video games to be honest with you i think it's i think it's there are tv shows that do it too it's like why does this character exist like you don't do anything like every time you're on the screen you're just filler <laughs> especially animes animes are ooh. animes are amazing at that
1: oh yeah yeah that's that's a good point all right uh back to jeffrey's email i was completely invested until the scene at the orphanage where you find out they all grew up together and that free so this is spoiler and that freaking Ultimesia was there taking care of them <laughs> but nobody remembered because of the gfs lol give me a break <laughs> yes i agree jeffrey that part is pretty stupid I beat the game, but something felt off. I thought I must have missed something because none of this makes any sense. The game can't be flawed. It must just be that I'm an idiot. So I immediately started the game over <laughs> and played through it a second time. My se- well, maybe that's what you should
0: have with Kingdom Hearts.
1: <laughs> My second playthrough, I was seething the entire time. I love this. I wasn't a dummy after all. The game was just a dumpster fire. (laughs) I love how it's so bad that he's like, what did I miss? (laughs) So yeah, that's why I hate this game. They say apathy is the opposite of love. I wouldn't hate this game so much if it didn't have things I like and show some promise. I just feel very let down (laughs) by it. (laughs) He's not mad, just disappointed. The the card game rocks, but that's but that's it for me. Thanks for suffering through this. At least nine and ten are great games to look forward to later, Jeffrey.
0: They really are. I am actually we, we have like hit past the hump, and then what's cool mm-hmm. too is yeah. like when we get to when we get to twelve. Yeah, I, I think I'm really excited to try and play through the international version more. And see if because I mean you gonna Blake do spoke it? very highly of it. You play yeah, it? when you get there, I'll probably I'll probably play at the same time as you. I have tried that game so many times that every time I get into it, I'm like it, it's it's uh very games of Th- Game of Thronesian at the beginning where it's like there's a lot of characters that are all doing things that are interesting and then they kind of time together and it's like okay this is going somewhere and then they do that thing where they all of a sudden they're like yeah but you're not going to hear about that for a long time and you're, you start to like lose interest a little bit okay. and I always fall off right around the same time when I play that game. So I Blake and other people have spoken very highly of the international version i would be very interested in trying that more um and seeing how much how much of a difference it makes
1: i've heard the exact same thing so i'm looking forward to it i did play the original also when it came out and i didn't get i got like kind of far into it maybe i would say maybe 12 hours that's about where i got (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah i got stuck like i got stuck i couldn't figure out where i was supposed to go and that was the problem for me like i thought it was okay i wasn't loving it but i didn't dislike it either but I just got stuck, and then I was like, and then I just kind of fell off from there. But
0: it, it kept me intrigued. That, that's the big thing for me, like with games. Yeah. Like, if I get stuck, I'm okay with it as long as I'm like intrigued in some way, shape, or form. Either I like the combat leveling system, you know, character growth is always really exciting in games, or the story is really enticing, or there's got to be something or some things that are tying me to to keep my interest. And when those things are missing, it's just a little. I just I fall off really quickly. I think that's a really obvious statement, but
1: right. But you know, I I, I know what you're saying. All right. Thank you, Jeffrey.
0: Yeah. Thanks for the email, Jeff or Jeffrey.
1: All right. Here we go. This is one from uh, this is from smashy one, two, three.
0: It's a new writer, right?
1: I believe so. Uh, yes, it is. He says, hi guys. I've been listening for over a year now, and this is my first time emailing. Just listened to your FF eight review. And I must say most of it was on point. But you missed bringing up the whole crazy dream... Yeah, okay, here. You missed bringing up the whole crazy dream sequence side story involving Laguna and his mates. I love the Final Fantasy series, but what a terrible game this was. The ending was was horrible as the game was. I played the remaster recently, and it has a fast-forward button so the GFs weren't as painful. Okay, that's good. Anyways, a question... Have you guys played any amiga games? if no, why not? I have not I have never i I haven't played any simply because I've never owned an amiga, never been exposed to an amiga. I'll probably buy one someday but but that you well will. I say probably you will but see the thing about amiga like it's a whole freaking computer. It's like the Commodore 64. Like, I, I got so close to buying a Commodore 64. Actually, I bought a Commodore 64 one time about four or five years ago and then on eBay and then messaged the guy. And I was like, sorry, can I <laughs> not buy this from you? Like, I made the purchase and then asked him to refund it because I just was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I don't know where I'm going to put the damn thing. I don't know. Like, it's going to be hard. I'm sure it's very difficult to find games for these I think there's a solid chance that eventually I will get either an Amiga or a Commodore
0: 64.
1: (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just never had one growing up. It was a, this was kind of just before my time. My dad was always a big, like early adopter. He loved, he just like loves technology. And so we had computers back in like the, you know, mid to late eighties when, That was kind of a rare thing, Um, and he, he was always buying stuff like that, but I think even for that, like the Amiga was just... I was two years old when the Amiga came out, so if I had had one, it would have been back then, but I was too young for it anyway, so one day, either a Commodore 64 or an Amiga probably uh so he goes on he says um if no why not i grew up i grew up with one and i'm about to purge to purchase the amiga mini i don't i didn't even i don't know if i knew there was going to be an amiga mini he says i highly recommend okay i highly recommend settlers one moonstone a hard day's night defender of the Crown, sid meyer's colonization or sid meyer's colonization excuse me dune one and there's a ton of point and clicks for robbie any- oh okay, okay. He doesn't list the point of clicks. Anyway, keep rocking. Regards, Smashy one two three from Western Australia. Okay, Smashy, thank you. I will keep these in mind for sure. Like, it's probably not going to be anytime soon whatsoever. But I do like the idea of having one of these old like giant computers. Not not really giant, but like a, a console that is an entire computer system. I would like to have one if I have space for it at some point. So I'll keep these in mind. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for it in. Yeah. All right, two more. One is from Mike. He says, hello, CGP. Uh, Just wanted to say a quick hello and also tell you that this past episode cracked me up. Listening to Rob read the cringy dialogue (laughs) from Final Fantasy VIII in his smooth baritone brought a huge... Yeah. Brought a huge smile to my face and a hearty chuckle. I know I'm in for a treat when a Rob review contains multiple emphatic and then
0: <laughs> oh that is very true actually holy shit what's so funny too is when you hate a game i feel like those are the the, the most favorited episodes i mean kingdom hearts is obviously the most classic one for it, us but
1: it does seem like it but i never until reading this i never noticed that i <laughs> that i do and then but now I, yeah but, you definitely do yeah i, I can see it now that that might have been up there with other classic classic moments, such as Rob's original Kingdom Hearts rant, and Blake the Hedgehog.
0: No, Blake the Hedgehog will go down in infamy as one of the funniest episodes ever. <laughs> Hard to top that.
1: Okay, so he asks now, what do you think are some of the funniest moments from classic gaming history? Classic gaming. I think he mean Well, he says classic gaming history. I I think he means classic gaming podcast history because he because he capitalized it. So, obviously, Blake the Hedgehog is up there. Um, that yeah, was simply just us one. watching a video. <laughs> I wonder if that was really, I've always, well, I kind of wondered if that was even really funny for listeners, but according to him, it was. What, any others stand out to you besides these two? Okay.
0: I mean, you, you're not recording an episode is a good one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that okay. For, in my defense, that, that was, wasn't your fault. It wasn't my fault, but we should have had. A better way to tell if a, if an episode was being recorded, or I should sure. have had um, the the one that comes to mind for me is when is another one when Blake was still here when we got in, when you and me and hit well it's mainly me arguing against y'all. Blake played Transistor, and which 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 that's a newer game like we were talking about it in current gaming subcast. He played Transistor and the character in that game has a gigantic sword and i said it looked like the buster sword and (laughs) y'all thought that was hilariously wrong and we argued about it for like 10 minutes and i just remember like going back and listening to that like when i was you know like checking the episode to make sure i always go back and listen to the full episode once i publish them just to make sure there's no obvious problems like you know like there's not a big 30 minute gap of silence somehow or something like that. And like, I was cracking up listening to that. I don't even remember what it was specifically, but something about that whole argument just ended up being hilarious with me trying to convince y'all that it looked like kind of like the buster sword and y'all just being like, absolutely n- in no way whatsoever. Does it look like the buster sword?
0: I mean, I'm looking at it right now, not not to resurrect this debate from the grave, but I mean, the, the shape of it is is definitely similar, but the art okay. style, like, look at that. I mean, I just posted both the pictures in chats. So I mean, you know, the handle and the width of the blade is is comparable for sure, but the art style is like two different fucking zip codes or not zip codes, <laughs> universes.
1: It's yes, the art style is different, but the shape of the sword, I think. That's Let me a- see what
0: the tip of the blade looks like, actually.
1: This, this The shape of the sword is almost exactly the same.
0: Uh, let me see. I'm trying to find like an actual... Well, this look, game looks like Hades a little bit.
1: Like it's style. made by the same people.
0: Oh, that makes perfect sense.
1: Um, God, what a great game. If, <laughs> We're playing that this week. <laughs> you can't talk about Hades without saying... I mean, it's such a game. great
0: game. It really is.
1: Okay, that one makes it look a little bit less.
0: It looks more like a paddle in that picture than a sword. To be honest with
1: <laughs> it does. But like... I wasn't so I mean, off base, it. right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it's a bit of a reach, but it's. it's it not looks that like bad. the
1: Buster. Okay, that one, that one's, that one's mine to answer your question, Mike. Um, he says, also, Rob, I am now playing Metal Gear Solid Two for the first time. Ooh, and loving it so far. Hell yeah! Not sure if I will have it done by the time the next episode comes out, but I will eventually submit my thoughts similar to my MGS One review. So far, all I will say is no one has a way with words like icon. <laughs> and remember, your neck stretches when listening to speeches. I don't. I'm not sure what the reference. What that references, Mike. Um. Mike says, "Take care, gentlemen. Thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate it. I'm so glad yeah, you like Metal in. Gear Solid 2." I'm
0: sorry to hear that you're liking Metal Gear Solid.
1: i <laughs> And, and th- yeah, thanks for writing in
0: another good one. By the way, the Metal Gear Solid did discussions.
1: Oh, those are, yeah, those are always pretty, pretty good. Last one in from Chase the Night Cleaner. We got a short one here. He says, uh, hey, Chase the Night Cleaner here. Are you for real recording today? I guess I'm, I don't know. Yes. I don't, I don't know if I understand the purpose of that question. Question of the day. Uh, Did I get this email in to y'all in time for it to be read? <laughs> Hope yes. recording was a blast might need more notice next time.
0: I think cause we're on pace for our episodes since we were like,
1: did we push a lot of the episodes? Oh, before? well, you know what? I did forget to let everybody know until like, I think it was, I think it was maybe yesterday.
0: That's probably why then.
1: So I guess that's it. But uh, I, so hopefully your answers have all been, qu- have your questions have been answered by virtue of listening to the podcast. And thank you for writing in, Chase. Jay, um, any current gaming subcast stuff you want to run through re- really fast? Uh, I haven't played. Oh,
0: I bought Switch Sports this week, which we or not sorry, I didn't. Hunter did. So I've been playing a little bit of Switch Sports this week, which was kind of fun. Uh, haven't put too much time into it so far. I started playing STS again, or the Spire, which I'm an addict and I can't stop playing no matter what. Um, that's about it. I haven't actually had as much time playing games as of recent, so
1: uh we or not i almost call it we switch sports uh, switch sports switch. i know you haven't you said you hadn't played much but initial thoughts like i kind of hear people are seem generally just to be kind of really like you know eh. it's all right yeah
0: exactly eh, it's okay it's it's not as much fun as uh, we sports I, I i've heard the opposite a lot of people told me that switch sports is better eh, it's okay it I, I it's not much of a, an upgrade for me from from uh we sports that's what, what kind of threw me for it
1: okay gotcha yeah that's I. I wasn't really too. I didn't have a Wii, so like I didn't have the same interest in this that that a lot of people do based on Wii Sports. Um, I've been playing a little bit of For the King.
0: Oh, that's a great game.
1: Yeah, it's really good. Like I've got a couple guys that we play with that that, that we we play this like on the. We try to play it at least sure. once on the weekend, like one night, like Friday or Saturday night. We'll get we'll get on and play it and. It is. It's a great co op game.
0: It is. It's um, difficult, too.
1: Yeah, it's hard, too. So, it is a roguelike. Well, I don't want to say roguelike. It is run based, it has a lot of roguelike elements. Um, it's a randomized, run based game where uh, it's just like an RPG, basically, and you're doing quests and stuff. Um, and when you fight. It's like, you know, you're, you're only controlling your character in a fight, but as a turn-based fight, just like a regular RPG. And it actually pulls it off really well. Like, it seems like that would be boring if it's like... Like, imagine playing Final Fantasy ten, but, like, everybody controls one character in the battle. Like, that seems kind of dumb. But they make it work really well but by having, like, a system where you basically roll dice to see how effective each thing is. Like it feels, it feels a lot like playing dungeons and dragons kind of mm-hmm. in some ways, the way that your roles determine how good you do and try and like strategize with each other and like, all right, how should I, should I do an AOE right here or should I, Do we want to just focus down this guy or what? Um, and then, like, the maps are randomized where you go around, you can, like, go to towns, like, to buy stuff or to heal up or find kind of, like, special items on the map to do certain things and then go to dungeons to complete quests and that kind of stuff. And But what I really, what, like, I feel like the game overall is just, like, a really solid RPG. But also what's really fun about it is, so first off, it has this kind of, like, almost, like, wood carve art style where your characters, like, are kind of, not like Final Fantasy Eight, blo- not Final Fantasy Seven blocky, but like kind of blocky in a way. Like again, like they look like they were carved out of something. But all of the gear you get looks really unique. So your character, like you know, looks pretty generic starting off. But as you get farther and farther in the game, and you're getting more and more gear, like you're like you genuinely start looking cooler and cooler. Like I was a mage in our party. And at one point I got this hat that like the top of it was basically a volcano. It was like a wizard's hat, mm. but the top of it, instead of having a point, it was like torn off and there was fire shooting out of it. Um, and like, they do a really good job of giving you actually like making your gear actually look cool as you go through the game and upgrade your gear. Um, there's one kind of like funny early weapon that, sh- that I got as a, as a mage where it was a rod. It was just a stick with a book, like tied to the end of it (laughs) and that was my weapon uh i eventually got this kind of badass rod that was like almost the same thing but it was a starfish at the end um and it was but it was like super powerful anyway like the like there was this one monster that was basically a bard but instead of having a loot he had like a badass electric guitar uh like they do a very good job of rewarding you with your gear not just with stats and abilities but also visually so and oh and when you do a playthrough some of the like every once in a while you will get like as part of the loot that you get from a battle you'll get like a book or like a couple of these like it's like some kind of tome i think is what it's called and it's when you die so it's like you have multiple like times you can die before you get a game over. You get like seven lives or something like that. And there are ways to replenish them, but every time someone dies, you can res them, but it costs a life. And then when you get you know, like when your lives get down to 0, it's game over. You got to start over. When you start over, you can use those books to purchase new things in the game like and you can purchase new classes you can purchase just straight up skins and again it's, it's not a money purchase it's like based on these books that you find in your sure. previous runs you can unlock uh new buildings that'll pop up uh new weapons new gear and it'll make these things like it'll make the more of these things available you know but like potentially if you don't like start off with it but it like You'll potentially find a new, you know, this new sword that you unlocked on your next playthrough, or you can use this new skin, or you might find this new building that that like does different things from other buildings that you can find. So uh, it's a really fun game. It's got a really good replay loop, and just like it's like super solid all the way around. Like everything about it, the combat's good, the missions are fun. Again, the the character progress is really fun. Uh, it, it, it's it's great um, co op. I'm we're, we're really having a lot of fun with it.
0: It's got a good difficulty scaling to it as well. I, I've played through it quite a bit, and it's very difficult. Yeah, it yeah. Gets really, it gets even more difficult, too, which is just crazy.
1: Yeah, that's another thing. It's very challenging.
0: Yeah. Which is good. Um, I, I would love to play a board game like that, by the way. If that was made into a, a board game that was concise, I would play the shit out of that. i just saying.
1: I think it would be solid. Yeah. All right. Jay, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Quick Couple quick notes for our next episode. As we mentioned, we're going to do our top ten of twenty five years ago, that is uh, nineteen ninety seven. And uh, if you want to write in with uh, your with like some of your favorite games from nineteen ninety seven or just anything else, email us mail at classic gaming podcast.com. Our game of the quarter currently is Twisted Metal Black. We're going to be oh, playing, yeah, yeah we're going to be playing that at the end of June. So that's probably going to be two episodes from now. Let me see how that ends up. Next episode will theoretically be June 5th. And then the one after that will be June 26th. Yeah, So, so we're looking tentatively at, oops, at June 26th for that one, two episodes from now, Twisted Metal Black played. If you want to send in your thoughts, Jay and I are both going to be playing it for that episode. Uh, aside from that, Follow me on Twitter. I'm at King Octavius. You can follow the podcast at Class Games Cast. Get on iTunes and leave us good reviews. Tell your friends to listen to us. And I think that's it. We will see you guys in three weeks.